My name is Roy Malloy, and you are listening to The Dawn of Crime, a podcast that I hope puts together some of the more fascinating facts and statistics about criminal biography that you'll ever come across. I'm joined today by two uniquely talented young men, one of them younger than the other, an embryo called Max Robin, who is a stand-up comedian and an all-round good guy. Welcome, Max. And I'm also you got to, he's on Zoom and he just waved. My God. <laughs> and also joined, by, also joined by Cricket Australia uh, coach and stand-up comedian, Shane Gordon. Welcome, Shane Gordon. G'day, Roy. G'day, Maxie. I embellish well, don't I? Now, gentlemen, for lack, of, for lack of any better descriptive for either of you, today we're going to be talking about a part of Australian history that is really that very grassroots history. I think we're all familiar with some of the stories of like Harold Holt disappearing. Uh, Maxwell, are you familiar with that? Uh, yes, I am. I spent a lot of time down, um, down Sorrento way when I was younger. Um, what, what about my guest, Shane Gordon? Does, uh... I was going to go to the next one with Shane Gordon. Uh, other people we're familiar with uh, include sports heroes like Hugh Opperman, Shane Gordon. Who was I've never heard of? I've never heard of Hugh. Isn't that tragic? Hugh Opperman was a massive celebrity in Australia, equal to only Don Bradman at the same time, but he was a cyclist and he, he reigned over the Tour de France. And so we, we're very familiar with the stories of the sports people and the politicians, but seldom are we aware of the really fascinating stories of individuals who stand out and we tend to capture their stories because of their criminal contributions. Now, I've also Googled this guy in a number of different ways because I feel he may have had a mental illness. Hard to tell. But I have also Googled statistics about mental illness. And there's a second layer to this story in that this fellow we're going to be talking about today, a guy called Arthur Skerritt. Arthur Skerritt was what we call Singalese at the time. What country would I be from, Maxwell, if I was Singalese? Um, well, not Australia. And probably not the USA. So I'm going to say one of the other countries. Narrows it down considerably for our good friend, Shane Gordon, who has an ethnic background that makes him a man of colour. Shane Gordon. Where, I don't, I, I've never really guessed you're Singapore. from Singapore. You're, you're from Singapore? Or he's, no, no. Right. Right. He's not Singalese from Singapore, but I, I get the connection. It was the fact that Sri Lanka used to be called Ceylon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Shalom. From from Sri Lanka, born there. So this fellow comes to Australia. Now, how do you say Australians weren't renowned for being that tolerant? Even Mm -hmm. now, I mean, we've come a long way now, hey, but, you know, I got to say, I would hate to have been a person of colour in that time and period. So right now, to give you a year and a frame, we're talking at about 1907 when he first comes to light as an 18-year-old. And we, we hear about him because he's reported on as only having just turned 18. And the newspapers weren't against reporting on young offenders, but they didn't do it as quickly or readily. But we believe from one of the court hearings when he's 18, they also at the end of it say, and he's got several, I think seven, prior convictions as a child. When you turn 18, they would expunge your record, you see. So this guy, he's, he's got a long history. I don't know when he comes here. Can't find out much information about him before he turns 18. 
He's from Coburg. Maxwell, when you think Coburg, what do you think? I mean, like, lovely place, um, nice people uh, if you want to buy drugs. Um, otherwise, never really been to Coburg. <laughs> Where, what suburb of Victoria are you in right now, Maxwell? I'm in, I'm in Box Hill, so oh, good right. food, um, nothing else. That's right. Um, and Shane, in Coburg, what's it, what was it famous for around about 1907? The big bluestone feature was? Oh, Coburg kebabs. <laughs> I dare say they, they hadn't made it there either yet. We're talking Pentridge Prison. It was yeah. the suburb that was the first real suburb of Melbourne as you came south from Sydney. So the road that goes through Coburg is Sydney Road. And just off Sydney Road, we find Arthur Skerritt having just turned 18. And the reason I feel he may have had a mental illness is because he's exposing himself at women. Now, we forget very Hey? Isn't that normal? <laughs> Isn't that just every Maxwell's Friday? I mean, everybody's Friday night. <laughs> so we find him in Sydney Road, just off Sydney Road, actually, not quite on Sydney Road. He's in Coburg, right? He doesn't just expose himself. Like the flappy bird would be one thing, but he puts a mask on himself and he chases women as he completes that onerous task. Yeah. I'm trying to be sensitive of my language here, but Maxwell, yeah. do you believe you can run and achieve that climax at the same time? Look, I'm um, running. I'm, I'm not very sexy when I run. I don't feel very sexy. Um, I think anyone who links exercise with any type of arousal probably isn't quite right in the head. And over to you, um, Shane Gordon, who's a professional cricket coach. <laughs> Can you anticipate running and climaxing? So he was erect while he was running. And finished. And masked. And masked. So he's, he's doing the COVID special. Let's call it that. <laughs> yeah, so he's practising. Yeah, now, he was 18 years old, right? His punishment was a little bit more severe than most 18-year-olds who were apprehended at this time. And that's because he's got a string of priors that we don't know what they were, but let's assume they're not dissimilar. All right. Possibly builds up to them, but he's got a, a rap sheet already. They take him to Pentridge. And how long? Let's have, let's have some guesswork, gentlemen. Max, how long do you think he gets in Pentridge? Oh. Five to ten? It's a, it's a shorter stay. It's only in the months on this occasion he's fortunate. But they also include a birching. Do you know what a birching is, uh, Shane? A sandwich? It's not a sandwich. <laughs> is it close? Do they hit you with like a stick of birch wood? That's correct. They take 21 sticks and they there are levels. They can say one birch or five birches. or But the judge says you'll be whipped with 21 sticks of birch in a private whipping room. I know that your van by the river that you live in, Max, has a whipping room, but <laughs> it, they had they had a whipping room, a private whipping room at Pentridge. And it's also... It sounds like a might have made that man climax again. He, he, well, he actually walked into the room smiling. This is reported in the newspaper, which also says there's highly likely a reporter there. Definitely erect. So <laughs> he goes into the private whipping room with a smile 
doesn't leave with one. He got 14 days in Pentridge in solitary with the whip, uh, with the whipping with the birch, right? So that's his first adult offence. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about another guy right now called Ted Whiting. Ted Whiting was a boxer and a very good one, not because he was, you know, with some boxers, they, they have two or three things going for them. They can defend well. When you're striking or you're not defending well, they will strike you really well and they can absorb punishment, right? This is a good boxer. Whiting was the last part of that. You know that episode of The Simpsons where Homer gets beaten and beaten and beaten and he can't knock him out so he becomes a famous boxer? Yeah. That's Ted Whiting, right? He is born in Fitzroy, which was a nasty suburb in the 1890s. There was a massive catastrophic uh, depression in 1893. And if you were poor already, you're going to become really poor. We're talking uh, boiling grass for food. He's got a sister who's 14 years old and rescued from a brothel. He's, the, I think, the fourth or fifth of 11 children, which wasn't uncommon to Irish Catholic immigrants. But he's from a massive family. You're probably talking three or four kids on a mattress made from old Hessian sacks filled with straw or horse hair at best. That's their life, right? So it's no wonder he becomes a boxer. Ted Whiting also goes on to be, when he finishes his boxing career, he ends up back in Fitzroy with his brother, Bunny, B-U-N-N-Y, like a rabbit. Now, John Bunny Whiting, I would love to know why he's called Bunny. It could be could be a horrific story to do with rabbits, but Bunny Whiting and Ted start shaking down every sly grog shop and brothel in the suburb. There was a law at the time that said that the police could not raid a private dwelling without a warrant. They could raid any pub day or night, and if you didn't have the right license, they could they could arrest you. But if you had a, a little bar for you and six people in your in your front room, and you were making the booze in your bathtub. They couldn't do anything about it without a warrant. You see the loopholes now, right? Yeah, yeah. Work that so, system. That's right. So Fitzroy was rife with brothels and and they usually went hand in hand. You could be both, you know, you could buy the booze and you had people that stole or made it. So they would go around these two. We're thinking total goons. If you ever get a chance to Google Ted Whiting, he's got the low brow, the cauliflower ears. He was tall for his ages. He was five foot seven. Shows up at the door with Bunny behind him and they'd say, give us money and we won't let any harm come to you. So they had a really good racket going on by 1919. Ted Whiting falls out with the squizzy Taylor faction. It becomes an issue known as the Fitzroy Vendetta, where the two groups are fighting for that supremacy and there's nightly and daily shootings. So all the way through 1919, Ted Whiting is its principal proponent, right? But he comes apart with Skerritt. We're back to the story of Arthur Skerritt now. He's found Skerritt a few times, and possibly rightly so. Skerritt was hard to like. He did things like um, he was just he was a, a, a popular pest. He was a sex pest. He was a he was always around where there was something dodgy. The police were incredibly unkind to him because of the colour of his skin. But we find him in 1912 
walking along kind of up near Parliament, just off Burke Street in one of the laneways. And he's got a pair of kind of rubber slippers, rubber sole slippers. He's holding his boots in his hand at 2 a.m. and he's looking up at a window. What would he be about to do, Maxwell? Well, given um, given the early information revealed about him, I'm guessing nothing, nothing great, you know? He's, he's not there to, like, you know, sneak into people's houses and fix their radios at night or anything like, you know. This is before radios even. This is uh, an era where we're not even quite up to radio technology. And uh, Shane, he has something up his sleeve when the police find him. It's Ooh. 10 inches long, which is about, it's about 30 centimetres. Mm-hmm. What does he have mm-hmm. up his sleeve? Yeah. Um, was it one of those little guns that the other dude had that doesn't kill people? It's the same as a wooden 30 centimetre rule that you have at school. That's that a little bit longer than that, in fact. Was it like the gun out of Django Unchained where he, like, you know, has the little... Oh, that'd be cool. Because, I mean, that'd be cool. Up yeah. his sleeve, he has what's called... A strap. A what? A leather strap. You're getting closer. It's a leather truncheon. And if you're not familiar no, with the trungeon, yeah, trungeon. There's not enough trungeons anymore. No, there's not, is there? They're really see. So they'd take a flat piece of leather, they'd sew the the joining perimeter down the side, then they'd turn it inside out, so that it was a tube, and they'd fill it with sand, and usually put a, a metal weight at the end. Now, if you were hit with this, it had a few bonuses that a stick didn't. It would wrap around a little bit, but it would also not usually cut you wide open. It would bruise and knock you out. They do have a, a there's a lot of science behind the use of a truncheon that you, it, it, it alone accomplishes. So looking up this window, the cop grabs him, shakes him down, he finds his truncheon. And he says, why have you got the truncheon, Arthur Skerritt, who we know extremely well? Mm, and he says, because right. I'm afraid of Ted Whiting. Cops. Oh, oh, damn it. He's more afraid of Ted Whiting. Now, I, do, I, I gotta say again, I can't vouch for this guy and his sanity. And I'm not sure he represents himself incredibly well, let alone in court, you know. So they, they arrest him, they take him to the cells. The next morning, he's put in front of a judge. What were you doing? Why were you doing? Oh, just walking around, just minding my business. Why did you have a truncheon? And he said again, he said, I'm, I'm afraid of Ted Whiting. And they said, Yeah, well, it's not a good enough excuse. We're gonna give you. How long in jail, Maxwell? Um, uh, six to ten uh, months or years. Uh, I'll leave that choice to to Shane. Now, he's he's uh, only because he's got a truncheon, Shane. That's his only offence. Uh, well, he's got the prior. So he was in before three years, twelve months. You're kind of both getting in the right direction. Big <sighs> sentence, though, right? He doesn't get the birch this time, but he's got a. He's got, a, he's got a 12-month sentence. Now, when he gets to jail, he's lucky because he comes across Crown-appointed representatives. He's now got a lawyer. The lawyer says, you weren't represented in court well. I reckon we can probably get an appeal. So they put an appeal. And the only thing he can do to get an appeal is say there was evidence that wasn't presented that would give this man the fairness of a trial. So they call a witness to the stand. They subpoena him. 
and up walks the hulking figure of Ted Whiting. And they say, and I'm going to read you some of the court. Teddy's back. Teddy's back and he's in court now, 1912. Now, 1912, let's remember, he arguably either walked, caught an omnibus, which is an early motorized kind of bus. He may have ridden a horse himself to the city from uh, Fitzroy where he lived, but most likely he walked from Fitzroy. For this court hearing. Just the image of him rocking up on a horse to court, that is baller. Five after go to court. That. Yeah. Yeah. And we forget um, that Squizzy Taylor, same time, only a year earlier, was fined for reckless horse riding in Northcote. <laughs> so we're talking that overlap period where yeah. cars are very new. Roads are not paved always. Flinders Lane had sand on it until World War One like a D- DUI for horses. It really is. You know, there really was. <laughs> all those hoons on horses. Riding it on the pavement, you get a fine for all those kinds of things, right? Don't, so horse, walks- don't horse and drink. <laughs> no horsing around. <laughs> That'd be a great TAC commercial. We used to hot up their horses. And you can see the laps on yeah. chaps now with like a, a car bra on the front of a, a, a horse that doesn't get stone chips. Um <laughs> We end up now in court. And fluffy Whiting. dice hanging from the mouth. <laughs> well, you <laughs> your fluffy dice on, on your mirror. Now it's a COVID mask. You guys. <laughs> yeah, that mask. is. Yeah. Uh, you took too long to get the joke. No, what about the people that have a, uh, a, uh, a dream catcher hanging from the mirror? Yeah, That's not people, a good place to be sleeping. I wouldn't have thought. Yeah. Those people That's, um, in health. If that if that dream catcher actually catches any dreams, it's probably the last dream you'll ever have. <laughs> and what was the last thing to go through the mind of the bug as it hit the windshield? It's backside. Um, yeah, there yeah. we go. So now we're back to uh, Ted Whiting meandering up onto the the stand in the courts at Russell Street, kind of next to the old Melbourne Jail on that corner, right? And he gets up there, and the police inspector says. Uh, so he's talking to Ted Whiting and he says, are you here to speak on oath? Ted Whiting says, yep, more or less. He says, certainly. The inspector says, you better be careful. We need complete truth. He says to Whiting, do you know who Skerritt is? He says, yep. He said, have you attacked Skerritt. And he goes, it wasn't a fight. There were only two punches. So he's beat, he's nice. beaten Skerritt previously. And he said, the, the uh, prosecutor says to Whiting, if you see him again, are you likely to harm him? Ted Whiting says, the moment I'm out of court, if I find him, I will go him again. This is in court to a judge. Mm-hmm. And the police inspector says, are you being in earnest? Says, yes, I am. That would be a terrifying. And you can imagine being scared now, looking at this guy who's in front of a court saying, "I will, I will kill him." And so the the prosecutor says, "There's a brave prosecutor because they also publish his home address." <laughs> as we discussed earlier, he says, "You better be careful, or we will also put a good behaviour bond on you." And Ted Whiting shrugs. He doesn't so, look like, doesn't sound like. Too much about a behavior bond. 
No, he. This is a guy who legit does not give a fuck. He just is. So he's let out of court, and they reduce Skerritt's sentence to only a few months. Right. This is the story of Arthur Skerritt. Now, during the middle of the Fitzroy Vendetta, really at its height, 29th of September, 1919, Skerritt participates in the Fitzroy Vendetta. But in the Vendetta, you're looking at guys who are shooting each other over millions of dollars worth in our terms now of money to be made in sly grog and prostitution and sometimes opium and cocaine. Arthur Skerritt does what? Well, he gets on his horse. <laughs> Not far from and, it. Um, he does have a gun. He finds a gun. Now this yeah, And he does gonna... like a drive-by shooting from a horse, which once again, very baller. Not cool, though. You shouldn't be shooting people. But if you're going to do it, horseback. Very cool. And in comparison to the others who are doing it from cars, his is more of a very gradual drive-by shooting it's kind of trotting past very slowly it's not even yeah, a good horse he couldn't afford a full horse so he's no. just got a pony it's one of those ones from st kilda that you have a ride on next to the donkey so that's that's yeah, his it's like it's, he's not a good at being criminal is he smaller target if they decide to shoot back he <laughs> get less to hit he's not great at being a criminal but this story this last story is not the end of scarrett's life now, I'm including the full biography of Skerritt in one of the Dawn of Crime books that I'm publishing in 2021. And it talks about the murder that he's associated with that is the last part of his story. This happens just before that story. But this, this is, I'm about to read you from a newspaper. This is from the Ballarat Star, 1919. My grandmother was born in this period. She was, she was alive during this story. And this story explains so much about my grandma. She died at 97, at the, uh, around the early 2000s. And she was born in a truly Victorian era. But she would name the racial background of every person in every story. Right? She would have loved this story about him. And you'll see why I am also about to use language from that time and period that we do not necessarily endorse ourselves. Do we Shane Gordon with the dark skin? No, I wouldn't have thought so. And I hope not. Right. But and I don't even know <laughs> we can be friends. Go. We can remain friends. Now yeah. this is from the, the newspaper in 1919. It says on the 29th of September in a house in fleet street in Fitzroy. Now fleet street was the crux of all of these shootings. You know, those massive uh, commission flats in Fitzroy now, near the Rob Roy mm -hmm. Hotel, they put them there over the top of where Fleet Street used to be. Ted Whiting lived in Fleet Street. So this yeah. is where this story is set. It's a very, very narrow street, very dark. In a house in Fleet Street occupied by two Chinese and a young white lady. So scandal already. Mm -hmm. It was the scene of a shooting incident and the outcome of which was Frank, they called him Frank, but Arthur Skerritt, a labourer known as Darkie. So they're hitting, go straight to the point here. Skerritt appeared before the city bench today, charged with having loitered about the public place with the intent to commit a felony. That's the charge they got him on because, and it's, it's uh, loitering with intent, because a, qu a quarrel that took place inside the house 
It's alleged that Darkie took out a gun and appeared in the front door where shots were discharged in the revolver. No one was injured. Does it say Darkie? They call him Darkie. No one was injured. Darkie's a bad shot. He's a bad shot. I mean, you're in, you're in, uh, we kind of use this as a a measuring stick a lot in these podcasts, but you're in your own lounge room now. Could look around your lounge room. If you're listening to this at home, look around your lounge room. Could you miss anybody with a pistol? (laughs) (laughs) Like if you're going to, if you're going to shoot someone, I mean, that's, that's a pretty terrible shot to miss somebody with a pistol in your own living room. But the life of uh, Mr. Skerritt does take on a whole other set of circumstances. He's a fascinating character that ends his life in reasonable tragedy, but we will cover that another day. I want to thank both these gentlemen for joining me. You have been listening to The Dawn of Crime, which is a podcast that is uh, made as a background to the book series, The Dawn of Crime, a series of short biographies about Australian criminals between the 1890s and the 1930s. They're available online, so you jump on the internet, you write... The Dawn of Crime and Roy Malloy, M-A-L-O-Y. Or head over to Facebook and check out my page. Thank you for joining us, Maxwell Robin. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us, Shane Gordon. Until next time, Roy. We will see you another time.